0: Welcome to CV Now, from Houston to DeBakey CV Education, your source to the up to the minute cardiovascular training, and I'm your host, George Tripsis. What is your why for working in healthcare? Does your institution reflect the principles and goals that brought you to this field? Today we're exploring how institutions and leaders can tap into the idea of why, to shape hospital culture, to focus on the common good for patients and employees alike.
1: The cornerstone of it has been to really appeal to what brought people to this in the first place. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, is that people make a choice to go into healthcare. And we live in a society uh, and in a, in a marketplace where there is a degree of fluidity and opportunity. And people can choose to do something else, and yet the fact that they continue to be in healthcare in service of people's well-being, in service of restoring people to health who are, are ill, is something to work with. It's not something to take for granted.
0: Dr. Conrad Vial is a cardiac surgeon and the chief physician executive operations for Sutter Health Bay Area and he's dedicated his leadership career to putting why at the center of things. He sat down with Houston Methodist cardiac surgeon, Dr. Moritz Weiler von Balamous to discuss the elements that interrogative healthcare systems need to get to why, the value of clinical leadership, and aligning goals and technologies to create institutional momentum.
2: Good morning and welcome to this interview following Grand Rounds today with Dr. Vial from Sutter Health. It's a tremendous pleasure, Conrad, to welcome you here at the DeBakey Heart and Vascular Institute. You gave a very inspiring talk about integration of healthcare, the importance of teams and how to elevate teams to really accomplish, I think, what everybody's on board with, better healthcare. My question for you is, we're living in a society that's increasingly more connected, but also increasingly more divided, ironically, uh, certainly if you look at the political landscape. Tell me a little bit about how in Sutter, at Sutter Health, you manage to change culture to really focus on the greater common good rather than the individual accomplishments.
1: Thanks for the question. Well, it, you know, this is, this is not easy. Uh, and my, my desire is certainly not to represent that we've got every problem solved because we're far from that. Um, but I do think uh, we've made um, a reasonable beginning and the, the cornerstone of it has been to really appeal to what brought people to this in the first place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Fact of the matter is, is that people make a choice to go into healthcare. And we live in a society uh, and in a, in a marketplace where there is a degree of fluidity and opportunity. And people can choose to do something else. And yet, the fact that they continue to be in healthcare in service of people's well being, in service of restoring people to health who are, are ill, um, is something to work with. It's not something to take for granted. The real question is to what extent is their everyday work experience? connected to that original source of inspiration that brought them to to healthcare. And there are practical realities. People have to educate their children. They have to pay their mortgages. They have to solve for a retirement puzzle. And these material facts are real, and they are often, as we've talked about, misaligned. And so the idea is what can we do at a system level scale to try and promote better alignment which is to say to try and bring people closer to the purpose that they originally had in dedicating themselves to healthcare. Because to not do so is to squander the energy that that purpose really represents and encapsulates. And so what I've tried to illustrate is a first step in the direction of trying to promote, not just with verbiage, not just with slogans or taglines, but with concrete investment, this notion of, well, I keep referring to it as performance beyond production, uh, and it 's a beginning, but I think it 's been a solid beginning, and uh, i 'm proud of it
2: yeah, I think you know you 've demonstrated very well the how you 've been able to um, change the needle on a lot of these important outcomes and and again, you know providing better health care to a larger um, crowd of people you, you talked a lot about you rephrased how we have to go from how to what. And to sort of paraphrase Simon Sinek, it's about, a lot of it is about the why, right? Sure. And I think that's, that's how, what you pointed out, that the, the why is incredibly important. And people go into healthcare with different motivations um, for different reasons. Um, what has you, in your vast experience in sort of aligning uh, providers within the healthcare system, what has been the strategy that you found most successful in really bringing the whys of people on the same page to, mm-hmm. to create that momentum?
1: You know, I appreciate that question a lot. I, I, so, Cynic's work is very impressive um, because it articulates something that is. We can immediately and intuitively access uh, in our own personal lives. Uh, The why uh, is important in informing what people do, who comes to do that what, and how they do it in everything that has been ennobling and disruptive and innovative in 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 a positive way the reason that that works however is not purely because of the why it's because the why is led with and followed upon Mm -hmm. by connecting the what's and the how always to that why and where i think to get back to your prior question as well we have opportunity to improve is in helping people to be involved in work and in modalities of service and healthcare delivery that actually source the energy of that why that would otherwise be trapped and, and, and wasted. It's really about what you emphasize. It's about, um, you know, I, I talked about Coach Wooden's uh, quote about uh, people don't learn what you teach, they learn what mm-hmm. you emphasize. A captain of industry who is, uh, I think, uh, did remarkable things in the 1990s in turning IBM around. Lou Gerstner, used to talk about people don't do what you expect, they do what you inspect. So again, just as leadership and team building is about finding the thing to emphasize in every sphere of why, what, and how, uh, and emphasizing it in the right way, inspection is a form of emphasis. If you take inspection and you, you, you raise it up to a level that's almost philosophical, what we put energy behind, what we fund, is what we inspect, it's what we support, it's what we endorse, and it is instrumental in the results that we get. Um, so I, for me, it's about why being at the center of things through very explicit and intentional, constant connection, uh, including what we inspect between those, those three important questions that Senec puts in that order that is, is really so meaningful.
2: It's very interesting, you know, you, you very eloquently uh, put your entire talk essentially about around relationships and how real, building real, and maintaining relationships is so important. And you practice in a corner of the United States uh, close to the Silicon Valley that has really um, changed how we look up on relationships with all the social media, internet mm-hmm. of things, Facebook connections, what have you. How do you think that has affected um, relationships in general mm-hmm. and how does that play your role or not in, in healthcare?
1: Well, um, healthcare I think is famously or infamously behind other industries in lots of ways, including in the informatics and analytics space. And I say behind in the sense that there is a relatively large amount of inertia in the way of adopting and making meaningful new technologies. We talk a lot about catalysts or accelerators of adoption, for example, of digital means of engaging patients. And I think our focus again, and I'm gonna perhaps bore people with my insistence on this theme, but. Our, our attention is immediately drawn to the, to the tool, to how cool the gizmo or the bright and shiny object mm-hmm. is. And I think that, that that's understandable and it's, it's, it's even important, it's motivating. But I think reconnecting um, what this digital access is for the fulfillment of our why in healthcare becomes important it becomes important not to leave in a tacit or implicit state but to actually articulate explicitly digital patient engagement is about is about a way of reaching not just patients but frankly people mm-hmm. who who have something to gain and something that they desire from healthcare professionals it's about reaching them in a way that that fulfills needs that go beyond the incidental and frankly even the transactional so when you put it in that form, you, you recognize that this is a natural extension of what has always been true and what I hope will always be true about the art and science of caring for people. And we have to represent that authentically and compellingly. And that's a leadership challenge. That's a healthcare system challenge. That's a healthcare integration imperative to prove the value of mm-hmm. integration, which I think right now is, frankly, in many ways under attack.
2: You make so many really excellent points. Define leadership for me. Yeah, leadership is, uh,
1: is it's like other things that have been described as you're, you're not sure exactly how to uh, define it, but you know it when you see it. Uh, you know, for me, it's about uh, representing authentically and compellingly um, a reason to serve something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm and then inspiring perhaps and motivating, aligning incentives so that people will find ways to serve that thing that's bigger than themselves. It's, it's about helping to take a team of which you are a part, even if you are the designated leader, taking that team somewhere that on its own it might not otherwise go. And that takes art, It takes science. It takes management of expectation. It takes manipulation of perception, to be honest with you, at times.
2: Fantastic. I'd like to take uh, just a brief uh, break to remind our audience that we are taking questions from the audience. Also, you can text DeBakey to 37607. Again, text DeBakey to 37607. Or you can go online to uh, pollev.com slash DeBakey to post your questions. Let's switch uh, gear for a minute, uh, Conrad. Tell me a little bit about your trajectory. You know, you were a tremendously successful cardiac surgeon and then somehow got involved in this entirely different aspect of healthcare. Tell me what your path has been and how you managed to go into this field and what compelled you to do so. Uh, Well, I was raised by
1: a family and in a culture that felt very strongly. that um, The pursuit of happiness, which we've enshrined in, 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 in our, our nation finding, founding documents, is, is really something that is an effect, happiness itself is an effect of actually pursuing opportunities to serve and to express your potential. Uh, and and so you know it would be remiss of me not to say that it is it has been my experience and it is my hope for my own children and my wife Catalina shares this fully that 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 be a, a bit of a, a, a guiding light uh, for them. Healthcare is an incredible opportunity to do well, frankly, by doing good, um, and those are are. In short supply, but not as short as most people think. Yeah. But but sticking with healthcare, you know, it would be uh, it, it's absolutely critical to acknowledge the role of mentorship. Uh, in in my own personal journey, I think that's true for lots of folks. I've had phenomenal mentors, the educational institutions where I've received my training, and the training that I've gotten after my training.
2: Yeah,
1: has been all important in that regard. And to me. Um, I'm not running away from practice. I'm not running away from something that has bored me or that I don't like or that, frankly, I don't feel that I made a contribution to clinical practice. I still do clinical practice. That is very much a one-to-one ministry, Mm -hmm. and I think there's a role for one-to-many as well. And so leadership is an extension of that. Um, It's not a place to run away. It's not something to run away from or run away to. It's something that is a complement to uh, clinical practice, and if you're fortunate enough to have an opportunity to make a contribution there, then it's a very rewarding experience. It's not without its frustrations, but it's yeah. very rewarding.
2: I, I think you, you 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 made a point that rings very true to a lot of healthcare providers, and that is that people have really provided care probably make some of the best leaders in healthcare to really change the landscape because they have been walking the walk
1: well, if you don't mind me interrupting you for a second, I, 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 I want to underscore the point you just made. Uh, I, I, I think um, clinical leadership is indispensable in, uh, again, r- creating explicit connectedness to why healthcare. Um, and I want to be sure that I, that I acknowledge or that I represent that, in my opinion, clinical leaders are not only people who have clinical credentials behind their name. There are clinician leaders that come in many, many different kinds. There are the dyad partners to those Mm -hmm. clinician leaders who may not have a clinical credential after their name, but they are clinical leaders because of that partnership, because of the necessary interconnectedness of the delivery of healthcare and the enablement of healthcare delivery. And so I I like to think of, of you know back in the day when i was growing up we had marcus welby and Mm -hmm. and other uh sort of symbols of what healthcare was and it was about the great person and it was about the equivalent of essentially a care plan that was inscribed on a marble tablet yeah and what we have today is i think a need to move to the great team and to think of the image of a care plan for an individual patient or a population of patients more like a mosaic rather than a a, uh, a monochrome, if you will, and, and so I, I think your point about the indispensable nature of clinical leadership uh, is one that deserves a lot of emphasis.
2: With this, maybe let's go into a few sure. questions that we have from the audience. Um, one is, uh, excellent talk, I appreciate the parallel between healthcare and aviation. What would you define as success with integration of healthcare in five to ten years? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, the approach, that, so I, I, I thank the author of the
1: question for the question. and I thank them for the, for the kind compliment. I, I'm not an aviator, but I do know some aviators. And I tried to check out with them whether I was anywhere in the ballpark. <laughs> in terms of creating the analogy uh, in terms of what healthcare integration looks going forward um, we could get into a lot of details that we probably don't have time for right now but i would say let's try and reach people where they are through whatever means are appropriate to serve the need they have in that moment but to set them up in a relationship that will minister to the needs that they have over the course of their life that means, from a healthcare operational and clinical integration perspective, acknowledging what is the right site for different kinds of care. Yeah. And, and really focusing on that, rather than focusing on um, where the care is delivered right now for, from an expediency perspective, from a, frankly, even reimbursement perspective. It's a tall order, but it's important for us to get to that place. We talk about a shift to value in healthcare, a shift away from volume, I reject that notion. I reject the notion not because it doesn't have some value, but because I think there's a better way to express the sentiment. The truth of the matter is is whether one is taking in revenue on a fee-for-service basis as a healthcare delivery company, shall we say, or as a practitioner, or taking it on the basis of some risk arrangement, uh, risk ownership or risk sharing arrangement, the reality is the imperative to deliver value is there irrespective of the revenue stream the imperative to not waste scarce resources, to not waste people's time and talent is there. And so for me, it really is not about a shift to value because I see value as needing to be everywhere all the time. And if we've gotten away with getting reimbursed for producing less value, and I say we in, as a, the healthcare system in the past, well, that, that's not appropriate and we should call that out. Uh, It really is for me a shift away from a production mentality to a performance mentality because performance is a bigger category It's a more important category. It's the category of benefit that our patients deserve
2: Very nice Um, What's your advice for students or younger generations interested in healthcare hoping to attain leadership roles? I think that's a common question. I'm sure you're getting often (laughs) well, I so there's, a,
1: there's a, 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 an individual or personal, almost self-care approach to answering that question. Um, you can't be credible in leadership if you're not deeply invested and connected to a why mm-hmm. that is bigger than you. So find that why that's bigger than you, live that connection, nurture that connection, find ways to do so. Mm-hmm. And if it's in healthcare, it's not just about healthcare. It's about looking at other industries. It's about looking at other academic disciplines and saying, what kinds of work is ongoing that that actually I can borrow from? I can possibly reconfigure, but apply? Turns out that airmanship in aviation has an important analog, at least I think so, in healthcare. We can learn from what aviators have had in the past and perhaps what they're in danger of losing, and we can apply it to how we train clinicians, how clinicians do their work, what they see as their work, and how they are rewarded for that work. Right. And That's just a simple example.
2: I think there's another question about the why. We have touched on that subject a little bit you already before, so I think we'll we'll forego that question, not to be repetitive. You know, it's interesting what you just said about um, people sort of, you know, pursuing really opportunity and their interests. And I think oftentimes people speak about pursue your passion, but then others have pointed out that if you have a passion, you're already doing that. So you know, you're know you probably better advised to, to in pursue your interests and, and, and your opportunities that come along your way. Let me just uh, close this out with, with one quick and easy question for you. <laughs> um, it's pretty well established now that outcomes are tied to volumes. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that if you have higher volumes, you you get a better routine down, uh, you cut costs. There's a lot of reasons to centralize care. What's your uh, two-liner or short answer to the conundrum centralizing care, access to care? So I think it's possible for us to be thoughtful about what it
1: is in healthcare um, in any footprint, and I could use my own home institution, Setter Health's footprint. What is it about the care that we provide to the communities we serve that based on the qualities of outcome, experience and efficiency need to be run at scale because that's where the performance level that needs to be hit can be hit and only through that way Mm -hmm. versus what is it that can be expressed and actually needs to be expressed locally? What is it that needs to be expressed on the basis of a standard versus what is it that needs to be based on more of a customized approach. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about things like clinical variation reduction, we often forget that the principle of clinical variation reduction is first and foremost about spotlighting variation overall, understanding what components of that variation is actually needful or desirable, and for what reasons, Mm -hmm. and exalting that, investing in that while at the same time identifying what it is about the variation pattern that is actually wasteful of scarce resources and that fundamentally doesn't serve patients well or clinician teams well, and getting rid of that. So from my perspective, this, um, this issue of volume performance relationships is generally true, but it needs to be looked at in that nuanced fashion through the optics of, again, what is desirable variation and what is undesirable and wasteful variation? And I think we'll make more intelligent decisions as a system as we do that. And the the, the graphic during the talk that I, that I showed, as well as the work in non-structural heart disease management, is meant to exemplify that. If we go to a level one, level two construct, if we go to a rational approach to that, if we invite partnership across spaces and make the the currency of partnership not be dependent on co-location and that gets back to your digital question because digital means permit us to do that on a more real-time basis that actually reflects real intimacy rather than fake intimacy if we do it right, then I think we're going to be on a more virtuous path and that's the path we're trying to get on.
2: Conrad, thank you so much thank you. for coming to spend time it's with us at the Baby to be Heart here, Vascular truly. Institute for a fantastic Grand oh. Rounds talk and your time here during the intro. Thank
1: you very thank much. You so much. I
2: appreciate it.
0: How does your workplace reflect personal why? Did you agree with Dr. Vial's assessment? We would love to hear from you and continue the discussion, so send us your tweets at DeBakeyCVEDU using the hashtag CVNow. Check out the show notes to get the links to the video of this interview along with Dr. Bayal's full grand round lecture, proving the value of integrated healthcare, the new what is how. Thank you again for listening, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review. And be sure to follow DeBakeyCV Education on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for more fascinating cardiovascular content.